0: okay hello everybody my name is matthew junior resource investing i'm hosting a sixth panel with ceo rick van newenheise of contango ore here today Contango Ore's Mancho Gold Project in Alaska is just a year out from its first pour. And I think that's awfully an awfully exciting time for me to be meeting with this guy here today. Just a reminder that this will be recorded. And I'll just give a really brief intro here before I hand things over to Rick to, to introduce us to his company. I just wanted to, the, the, the framing I wanted to have for this context, this conversation is this concept of, of asymmetrical risk versus reward, right? That obviously the objective of any investment is to identify that asymmetrical relationship between risk and reward. And that metric doesn't or shouldn't change whether the returns are 10% or 1,000%. Uh, in the junior resource sector, I think it's a natural desire for people to, to want to be a part of that, dis- that discovery story, right? It's naturally an attention-grabbing story, but that isn't always smart money and that isn't always a smart choice, if you ask me. Instead, I would counter that you know, near-term, fully permitted, fully financed producers like Contango could and should be a critical part of any resource investor's portfolio, specifically and particularly for that reduced risk they present while still presenting that outsized opportunity to actually capture serious alpha. Uh, so there's my intro, Rick. It's nice to meet you. We, this is called a Fireside Chat, and, and we already talked about this. I do not have a fireplace in my home, but if I know northerners, you've got one <laughs> just within arm's reach, and yeah, you got one right behind you there. So you're, you're true to form here. So it's, yeah, thanks for being here. Nice to meet you, Rick, and how are you today? Uh,
1: great, Matthew, great to be on your, uh, on your show. Um, yeah, I mean, Contango's, uh, you know, where as you say, we're our mentor projects, our, our flagship project uh we're on the cusp of production we're actually mining now and stockpiling now at site at the the site this is located in alaska uh we're a 30 percent owner uh we joint ventured the project with kinross basically to take advantage of their uh underutilized mill at fort knox uh and our our ore grade is eight grams per ton which is unusually high for an open pit mine in today's world i think it's uh, if not the highest it's certainly one of the highest uh, open pit uh gold grades um are in the world um and so you know we can afford to uh mine run uh run a mine ore put that in a truck haul it up uh take it up the highway to fort knox it's a public highway so there's uh there's no literally no permitting involved in doing that i mean obviously mm-hmm. we've got to have legal loads and legal trucks and drivers and all that but uh, there's sort of not not an extra permitting step obviously there's uh uh we had to permit the mine, and that was done last year. Uh we started construction uh and as I said we're now mining and stockpiling. So the next final part of the process is to uh process the ore through the Fort Knox mill and get gold out the other end. And mm-hmm. that'll that should occur in uh you know first half of next year. We'll get guidance here uh from Kinross Ross uh when we have our next joint venture meeting, which should be in the middle of November. So, um, yeah, I mean, things have gone according to plan. I think we were kind of uh, joking a bit about that. It's It's been a, a quick two years since we did the joint venture with uh, Ken Ross, and uh, we spent uh, a fair bit of money in that process. Uh, it's a joint venture, so we we share uh, in our 30% uh, of the, the capital and operating costs. Um, but it has gone according to plan. Uh, got the permits within a year, and... And now we're, you know, we've got the construction completed and uh, we're mining. So it's, uh, again, last step is uh, running it through the mill and getting gold out the other end, which again, we, we expect to have sometime in the first half of next year.
0: Yeah. 70-30 JV. Yeah. I mean, I think that you kind of mentioned a couple of things there that I, I do like, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's testament to good management when things go on time. I mean, you, you, you know, Alaska, great jurisdiction. That's a testament to management, picking the right company for, to JV with, to keep things on time. I mean, it's, it's a testament to things are going right. And that's, you know, it takes a little bit of luck, but it also takes some skill to get there too. Right. And so I think maybe I'll just, I want to ask you just a couple of slide deck kind of questions just to help set the table here. Maybe, right. Just for maybe if people haven't heard your story yet, but so, you oh, know, let's just start with share structure. I mean, this is, I think, you know, people always start, you know, this is one of those questions where it's always gets asked. And sometimes, most of the times it's kind of a boring question that they're all roughly the same, but, uh, Contango is a bit of an outlier. Do you want to maybe explain that for us?
1: Yeah. So, um, we're not your typical junior Canadian company because first of all, we're not Canadian. We're U S we're only U S listed. Um, we're NYC American listed. Uh, we have less than 10 million shares out fully diluted, um, which is highly unusual, um, uh, yet we, we trade uh, pretty well. I mean, we we're, we're trade probably half a million dollars to a million dollars a day on a typical, uh, typical trading day. So in terms of liquidity, you, know, you can buy stock and sell stock and get in and out. Uh, obviously, the NYSE is a much bigger platform uh, and a much broader reach. Than the typical Canadian, you know, junior listed company on the TSXV or or uh, CNX or whatever. So, um, yeah, we're we're somewhat unique uh, in that way. We're also based in Alaska. Where our headquarters office is uh, in Fairbanks. Uh, we plan to uh, to sort of operate out of out of Fairbanks. That's where I live. That's where our, most of our team lives. So, um, yeah, there's a number of kind of unique things about the company. But uh, I think the most unique thing is we'll be generating Uh, About $50 million of free cash flow when we start uh, producing gold next year. So, um, you know, if you translate that to use the 10 million, because that makes it easy, man, the 10 million shares, that's $5 a share. That's that's pretty decent cash flow for a junior company, actually, for anybody. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, not too shabby, and that's one that I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, on my list of questions is what the heck you're going to do with all that money, but uh, we'll get there. So uh, maybe just to, to clear off the, the slide deck thing, I mean, you got Man Show, you got Lucky Shot. We'll, we'll focus on Man Show first here, but any debt that we should know about, what's your debt load like right now?
1: Yeah, so we, we have a $70 million line of credit with ING and Macquarie. Uh, we've used about uh, less than $20 million of that to date uh i think we've got plenty of capacity there because as i said we're mining now so basically uh the draw cat on on, uh, on the debt is to fund working capital and uh the, the first round of uh of processing we'll batch process the ore so that's going to be something to just to point out um the plan is to batch process for about a month once a quarter uh or from Mancho through the Fort knox mill and uh that first batch will go to fund uh, ongoing working capital because you obviously got to pay for mining and transport of the ore. Um, but then after that, we should be receiving dividend checks from the joint venture. Um, so let's say you know somewhere in the middle of the year, we'll, we'll start actually accumulating cash um, and then, so the next question then is, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And well, I don't, I don't want to skip to, well, maybe we should just skip to that. Cause that's, that's that's where I want to go, but no, let's, let's kind of try to do things in order here for the sake of the people listening in here. But so yeah, man show, right? This is, this is your flagship, right? Uh, it, it isn't, it's, it's awfully exciting that it's yeah, just months away from first pour months away from, from actual cash in your pocket. Do you just want to give us a brief rundown? I mean, I guess start at the beginning history of the project and then the history of your ownership and how it came to be.
1: Yeah. So um, this is a true grassroots exploration project. Uh, It kind of got started a bit oddly in the sense that the the project is located on tribal land owned by the Tetland tribe. And uh, they they had the idea that there may be oil and gas on their property. ConocoPhillips was uh, seriously contemplating connecting the Alaska gas fields up with the northern British Columbia gas fields and building a giant LNG plant. This was in the early 2000s. And uh, so with that sort of background, the, the tribe said, maybe we've got oil and gas in our, on our land, which the pipeline would have gone right straight across. So they reached out to some folks in Texas, uh, literally Texas wildcatter types, to come up and evaluate their lands for oil and gas, uh, which they, they did. And uh, they quickly determined that these were mostly high-grade metamorphic rocks underlying the, the tribal lands, and so they had zero potential for oil and gas. Um, but the tribe um, and the, uh, the guys from Texas got along well, and they said, well, what about exploring for minerals? And so they basically pivoted. Uh, they hired uh, a local Alaska geologist who happens to be one of my best friends, Kirk Freeman, uh, who, had, uh, who runs a, at the time, um, ran uh, Avalon Development, they engaged and development to explore these lands for oil and gas or for sorry for uh, for minerals and uh, this again what's somewhat unique again this, this land had never been open to anybody to explore for anything before this so kurt and his crew were really the first people to do grassroots exploration on this rather large block of ground it's just to put it in perspective uh acres mm-hmm. Which is roughly the size of Rhode Island, the state of Rhode Island. And that's a small state, but it's still a state. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, you know, Kurt and his crew did grassroots stream sediment geochemistry follow up. Uh, and over a period of about three, four years, they identified what has become now the, the Moncho deposit, which is roughly a little over a million uh, ounces of gold at eight grams per ton. So, um, as, as, a, as a reserve now. So um, that's where it got started. So originally, uh, they self-funded this. Uh, It was, again, oil uh, owned by the the oil company. They spun out Contango Ore. Um, And after the the discovery, these guys said, well, you know, geez, we really don't know anything about minerals. Thanks a lot, Kurt, but now what the hell do we do? Um, And so they they joined venture the project with Royal Gold, who. Obviously, it's a royalty company, but they liked the exploration potential. It was, a, again, a huge block of land. This, the part that had been explored was just a, you know, less than a percent of the whole project area. And um, long story short, they, uh, they formed a 6040 joint venture with uh, Royal Gold. They advanced it to a pre-feasibility level of study. And Royal said, hey, we're a royalty company. We're not supposed to operate. Uh, let's see if we can get somebody else to operate. And But it was a bit of a disadvantaged uh, arrangement because they only own 40% of the deposit. And if you're the operator, you don't want to, if you're a new operator, you don't want to buy 40% and have a minority position, and have all the responsibility of being operated, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So that's when I stepped in, uh, in, this would be 19 prior 2019 now 2020 and, uh, rearranged the whole thing. So that Royal gold got a royalty, uh, Ken Ross, who we who we knew had interest and who had expressed interest uh, before, and who we also knew had an underutilized mill, uh, we formed a 70-30 joint venture uh, with us basically selling 30% of our 60%, um, rearranging a few things with Royal Gold who owned some shares of, uh, of uh, Contango. We got our shares back, which again reduced our, our share count. Um, and give them a royalty. So that's, that's how we've ended up now with, uh, 70, 30 joint venture with, uh, with Ken Ross, uh, the tribe, the Tetland tribe has a royalty and, um, and Royal gold has a royalty. So, um, everybody kind of got what they, what they wanted and what, what was sort of, uh, appropriate from, uh, you know, what they're supposed to be about, uh, Ken Ross gets a majority interest and is the manager and operator and it's their mill and they know it well uh it allowed us to sort of i hate to use the word fast track but in mean literally there was very little to permit uh the mine is located on top of a hill so there's not a lot of water to impact that reduces permitting risk mm-hmm. um and uh we weren't building a mill in a tailings facility so you know that reduced power re- requirements uh we don't use a lot of power because you know there's not a lot of there's probably a lot of water and there's not a lot of uh there's no tailings to manage uh, and obviously with no tailings facility hugely simplifies your permitting timeline and and the, all the level of uh, levels of risk uh i think the um, you know the, the ngos who tr- uh, traditionally look at mining and don't like tailings facilities specifically said you know kind of applauded the decision to uh to use an existing tailings facility that frankly has received a lot of awards uh the fort knox facility is uh has reclaimed fish habitat uh, on a regular basis, so they they have a partnership with Trout Unlimited. Uh, so there's a lot of you know just overall good things that just happened as a result of this of this business arrangement, including obviously for our you know selfishly for our own shareholders, uh, this got production relatively quickly. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the the full story, and you know we're like to say where we are today, where we're you know staring down the barrel of production here in a, in a few months.
0: Yeah, not a bad place to be. I think you, you did a good job there of articulating all the, the different characteristics that I think make Man Show uh, yeah, quite compelling. I mean, uh, maybe I'll, I'll ask you this as a follow-up and, and you know, maybe just to put a point on it here. But I mean, it's high grade, right? Eight grams per ton. It's cheap as heck, you know, CapEx, Uh But... There's, there's, it's quite a short mine life compared to what you might expect Kinross to be traditionally interested in, right? A mid tier or a major producer, right? I mean, four and a half years. It, I mean, I guess maybe the, the, the answer is in the question, but is it, is it just, is it just because it's you know cheap and profitable, good jurisdiction, no tailings? I mean, why was Kinross so keen to get involved in this particular project?
1: Well, I think the, you know, basically to keep the Fort Knox mill running and actually, you know, finally put some grade through it. Um, not, not to be, uh, judgmental on Fort Knox, but it's a big low grade deposit. Um, so adding, you know, eight grams per ton to their normal grade, mm-hmm. mill grade of, you know, 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6 is uh, makes a huge, huge difference in terms of profitability coming out of that mill. Just to put it in context, this doubles the size of production from the Fort Knox mill for Ross, if wow. you look at it from Kinross's perspective. Um, uh, that's a, you know, that's a significant, uh, increase. And if you add our 30% in it becomes a, a tier one, tier, a tier one asset. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's very important for, for, uh, for Fort Knox, Um uh, uh, you know, and in terms of the, you know, the four and a half year, uh, mine life, we just got to drill more holes. So, uh, you know, when it, back in that, that, uh, history of, uh, of the, of the project, how it came about. this was sort of privately funded effectively by you know contango friends and family um officially it was traded on the uh uh, otc which means that you know nobody traded it (laughs) (laughs) it was just you know it's just so many friends and family who owned (laughs) um you know it was not a liquid company by any stretch of the imagination so um you know they had sort of tapped out Friends and family, and then that's why they formed a joint venture of Royal Gold, but then Royal Gold said, Well, wait a minute, hey, we're you know, we're a royalty company, that's all we really want here. Um, so when we rearranged all that, um, you know, I think again, everybody, you know, got what was uh, sort of appropriate uh, out of it, but we had to, we had to then transition from a friends and family company to a real listed company. So the first thing we did was get it up listed to the NYC American. And then work on getting it traded you know telling the story and saying you know here's who we are because two years ago nobody knew who contango was hmm. and we're still you know we still have a long way to go to get the story out and under, you know people understanding that hey who's this company that's going to generate 50 million dollars of cash flow next year so um and now, you know you the uh you know that's 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 the situation uh we're in now which is a great position for us because uh sometimes it's good to not be known
0: <laughs> gives people like me an opportunity to maybe jump in at a little bit of a late stage in the game. So I'm not complaining, but uh, yeah, no, I, and fair enough. Um, maybe I'll ask you, so again, you know, you're not an operator, it's carried interest rate 30%. And so maybe, you know, I'll, I'll phone Kinross afterwards, but you know, you <laughs> said there's, there's lots of exploration potential left. Um, and you know, I, I, guess I don't, I don't want to kind of set you up to have to make a pumpy, pumpy declaration here, but, but like what's, what's left down there. Right. I mean, you know, you say that, you know, just have to drill up more holes and gain more resource for sure. I mean, are you kind of scraping the edges of the barrel or do you think there's a, a much larger system that you can still discover down there? Or kiddos oh, rather.
1: Yeah, it's a again. It's so we're in the um, we're in the Tintina Gold Belt geologically pro, uh, as, a, as a province, uh, which is obviously you know has a over well over 100 million ounce endowment. Uh, and, and again, which is just was nope. The first guy I saw on the project doing any kind of exploration work, including USGS and the Alaska Geological Survey and things like that, was Kurt Freeman in this group. So. Uh, and they did basic stream sediment geochemistry. Uh, they got focused in on the uh, the area where the deposit is because it's the closest area to the highway and the closest area to Tok, where you that's where they based out of. They had a helicopter. This is all kind of rolling hills, kind of interior Alaska country. It's not big mountains, uh, so which means it's also wooded and uh, it's hard to get around. It's hard. It's hard to find a place to land a helicopter. So it's. It's slow going as far as exploration goes. So there's the, there's a uh, we call it the Chief Danny area. Chief Danny was the chief who signed the original agreement uh, with Contango. Uh, he passed away a number of years ago. So in his honor, they named that sort of the core area around uh, the Mancho deposit as the Chief Danny area. We have a lot of geochemical anomalies, soil uh, soil anomalies, geophysical anomalies that need to be followed up and have additional drilling on them. Now we're just starting to do that uh, this year and my, uh, because when when Henros came on, the you know the whole shift was hundred percent, let's make this a mine. So we'll do all the things, you know, hydrology, geotech, uh, et cetera, waste characterization, environmental studies, to uh, figure out if we've got a mine here and how to permit it. And so we've not done any exploration for really the last two years of any, of any real consequence. I think that next year will probably be the first year we get back to doing real exploration focused on drilling new targets. So, um, yeah, I will, I'm hoping we'll have like a $10 million exploration program next year. We're certainly going to advocate for that. Nice. Um, I think now that Kinross knows that we have a, you know, we're mining and we're uh, set up for production here next year, uh, I think they'll be of like-minded, want to see a, a real good exploration, solid exploration program. We've only, the whole Chief Danny area where we have a fair bit of information and lots of anomalies to follow up on, only represents about 5% of the area that we have under lease from the Teblin tribe. So again, it's the size of the state of Rhode Island. So um, it's uh, it's a substantial area to explore. And uh, so, yeah, we'll look we'll forward to lots of news flow on that but probably mostly next year, just because this year has been almost 100% focused on getting the mine into production.
0: Yeah, of course, of course. So, I mean, a couple of qu- follow-up questions here. One, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, and I guess I'll just encourage people here. That, yeah, there will be a Q&A at, at the end, but just one, one here from Srebinder Murray uh, fits in nicely right now. Just, so he asks the question I just asked, how much exploration potential is left? But then he's asking along you know, which, which zones in particular do you find maybe it should be particularly enticing? Well, the one
1: I, you know, the, the one that's like most obvious to an exploration geologist is you have, I'll use my hands here, you have two, the, the north deposit and the main deposit, literally dip towards each other. Uh, and they're kind of moderately dipping, they're not like vertical, they're, they're moderately dipping towards each other, and the center hasn't been drilled, the hmm. middle where they project towards each other hasn't been drilled. So, um, they're, you know, that's that's an obvious target now. Part of the reason why you say you might say, or why you might say let's delay the, the on that is because they may well be out of the depth of what is uh, mineable from an open pit, so then it would become an underground scenario, which you probably wouldn't get to until you establish the pits, mm. and then maybe you'd ramp down and go get it. So, you know, there's some logic as to why that hasn't been drilled yet, but that's a good, that's a good example. It's right in the between the two known deposits, and it still hasn't been drilled because they're deeper holes and you know when you're allocating budgets and you're saying, well, do I want to drill a you know 700 meter hole or do I want to drill, you know, three uh, 300 meter holes, you know. So those are the kind of things that there there's lots and lots of targets. I like uh, if you look at our website, there's a a map there that shows the uh, geochemical anomalies, uh, gold soil gold soil anomalies. So these are first order anomalies um, all around the the, the Mancho area. The uh, Jeep Danny area, and there's, you know, there's literally a dozen uh, high-quality geochem targets, uh, somewhat, some, some are coincidental with geophysical anomalies um, that ne- that need more drilling. So I think that's a, probably the first order. Uh, we've done a number of uh, geochemical, geochemical surveys, or expanded the geochemical surveys towards the south now, and there's lots of anomalous areas to follow up there as well. So I've um, you know the typical mine that goes into production from feasibility usually has three x of uh, reserve reserves that end up getting mined. Uh, that's your that's your typical typical mine. Hmm. Um, so I you know I'm, as an exploration geologist, which is you know what drives me, uh, I'm very excited about the exploration potential on the rest of the uh, rest of the lands surrounding the Mancho. Uh, Mine itself on the Chief Danny area, and then on the rest of the uh, rest of the Teton lease as well.
0: Well, I think you kind of did a good job there explaining something you already touched on, but you, you kind of uh, you've jumped the queue a bit with production, right? That you know, a traditional junior drill 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 get that mine plan open pit go underground afterwards right but yeah you kind of interrupted that and then now we're going to production and then we'll just keep going and we'll figure out the mine plan afterward. no yeah it's a, yeah it's, it's it's a neat story and it's one that it's i think that there's a lot of very compelling reasons to be here um just, yeah, one, just
1: one just one other point on that yeah, another, of course. part of the reason why you can sort of you know jump start the thing is because of the grade yeah you know, because you know when you when you have quick payback you know the payback on this thing is ridiculously short uh, so when you have quick payback, you don't need to have a 10-year mine life. Uh, you know, obviously, we would all love to have a 10-year mine life, but that would mean I'd have to drill twice as much as I've already drilled. Mm-hmm. Um, and that costs money and, what, and that delays production. So you know, if you, grade's king. That's why grade is king because uh, you, you can get things going quicker with grade um, and uh, you don't need as much <laughs> to, you know, to, to get the payback there. So.
0: well, and so, yeah, and uh, well, thank you for that, 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 kind of further detail. I, I, there's a great, uh, transition here, but I do want to ask just because it came up in my mind. So you, you kind of mentioned that you're still, discuss- in, you know, you're, you're discussing and, and providing support to Kinross, but how active is that, you know, you're 30 in the 70, 30 JV, how active, I mean, is this a day-to-day thing where you're chatting with, with, with Kinross or have you kind of transitioned your attention to Lucky Shot or other projects?
1: Yeah, We have a, a quarterly meetings uh, with Ken Ross, uh, joint venture meetings, um, and then we, you know, just have sort of, uh, I'd say there's probably not a week that doesn't go by that uh, I don't have a, an interaction with the, uh, the general mine manager at, uh, well, both at Fort Knox and at Muncho, yeah,
0: okay. uh, which
1: is actually the construction manager now, but it'll transition here in the next few months to the uh, to the mine manager, but It's a good open dialogue. There's a bunch of great people. They're all, you know, uh, most of them are my neighbors in Fairbanks, so (laughs) I I know most of them. Just, uh, uh, you know, separate from the joint venture, if you will.
0: Go over and borrow a cup of sugar. Hey, yeah. Um, (laughs) So, question. I mean, this is this is maybe my favorite topic uh, of this one. I mean, I'm excited to talk about Lucky Shot as well. But I mean, 50 million US of of free cash flow starting in, like you say, I mean, quarterly. You're going to get four or five million bucks. Like you said, if you're doing monthly batches, uh, I mean, you are not long off from having a very healthy uh, cash in your pocket every month. And I mean, I think you're trading. This is just going to be off the top of my head. I mean, maybe at 4X that that Number right, so I mean, uh, to me again, you talk about the value here, value proposition is quite compelling. But uh, what the heck are you can do with all that money, right? So I mean, uh, I mean, uh, the the I mean, I've got A, B, C, D, right? I mean, and you can tell me if it's one of those or or you know none of the above. But I mean, you know, are you going to try to seek a buyout from Kinross so they can disclose that 30%? Are you going to become your own development company and with, use that to try to develop and bring things out of production? Need uh, dividends, you know, to to or maybe or are you going to use that free cash flow to explore other projects without dilution or, or something else, right? I mean, I guess what are you doing with all that money is the, the short answer to all that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, I think we want to build uh, want to use this platform to build a build a company. So and Lucky Shot sort of fills that next uh, that next tier asset. It's not a big asset, but it's high quality, it's high grade at uh, close to half ounce per ton is what we've outlined in the initial resource. Um, it just needs more drilling. Um, we decided to take a, a slower path and not uh, not try to rush things, uh, just to be prudent on on, on uh, capital management. Uh, so we've uh, we're we're on hold right now in terms of uh, drilling and, and uh, underground development. Uh, we're going to pick that back up next summer uh, when it's a lot easier to just to do that. It's, it's probably about 30% more cost to do stuff in the winter time in Alaska than hmm. just waiting for the summertime. Once we're set up, then it's it's not so bad. But uh, uh, but Lucky Shot represents a, a sort of a, a tiered platform, to uh, asset to to build on our production. Um, again, we could we, we envision that we can develop the mine there uh, and have a run of mine ore it uh, up to the Fort Knoxville for processing. We don't have a deal with Ken Ross on that yet, but that we you know we know they they still have a big mill, that's still a big hungry mill, so. Mm. The ore would be really simple. It's quartz and gold and a little bit of sulfide, so uh, it would be very compatible. Uh, we have the advantage on the uh, uh, near Lucky Shot. We have the Alaska Railroad, so it's less than 20 miles from the uh, from the mine down to the railroad. A short truck haul, put on the rail up to Fairbanks and the short truck haul up to Fort Knox. So, as a plan, you know we've got to uh, we've got to execute the plan, which is getting the drilling done. Uh, our objective is to outline a 400,000 ounce resource there and develop a mine plan around that that might be sort of 30, 40, start out at 30, 40,000 ounces of annual production and maybe grow that to 50, 60. Again, not big, but you know, it almost, you, you put a plan together where you could almost double your production for a very little capital. Um, huh. yeah, you're probably talking in the neighborhood of 20, 20 $25 million to do all that. Yeah, so, well. Wow. um it's not it's not big, but you know we could self fund that, and we'd be producing over hundred thousand ounces of gold with ten million shares outstanding. <laughs> so, um, and probably you know comparable all-in sustaining costs uh, to uh, to Mancho. So. Um, but you know, beyond that so that's something we own it's in our portfolio uh we have a number of early stage assets that we will advance slowly we're not going to you know go spend 20 million dollars on any one of our assets right now um but we also only have 10 million shares outstanding and um you know if you look at uh, look out in the in the field of what else is out there there are a, a number of mining companies ex- junior exploration companies that you know they're in tough shape it's been a tough yeah. Number of years for the for the junior exploration sector, and uh, you know, so we'll we'll start to look at other opportunities as well, and, and see if there's a good fit. I like the uh, I, it's it's a bit of a hybrid uh, royalty model in the sense of uh, having an asset where you can quickly get it into production uh, or take advantage of somebody else's mill and uh, and or somebody else's desire to build a mill. Uh, and, and, and retain a, uh, a minority interest. Um, that's not that's it's not very different from the royalty model. In fact, it's very similar to the royalty model. Um, so that's that's why I think uh, we that's the, the model we want to pursue. Uh, we're explorers and developers. We're not miners. We, you know, we're not we're not process people. We don't have access to you know huge amounts of capital. So if we can focus ourselves on things that you know need ten to twenty to thirty million dollars rather than $300 million, uh, I think we can be pretty effective in that space. So uh, for Right now, that's that's going to be where we're going to focus. Um, I like the idea of paying a dividend. We're not, we're not there yet. Uh, uh, we first thing, first order of business is going to be to repay the debt. Uh, once, once we've repaid the debt, then we can start looking at, uh, at paying dividends. Hmm. Uh, but that's that would be very appealing to me personally as a shareholder. So that's definitely something that's going to be in our mind as we continue to develop the company.
0: Well, and I like that long-term vision, right? It's not just a one and done where, you know, you, you chisel it out for five years and then you've got nothing left at the end of it with I mean, beyond just a little bit of cash in your pocket. But I mean, yeah, you're kind of in the process of empire building Then, if I can be a little glib, right? That that you're, yeah, this is your nest egg with which to move forward and do it again and again and again and get that, that, that scale going. Um, I mean, it's 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 a it's a clever one, and I guess I was just I was just gonna comment really quickly. I mean, having cash in this market is a is a huge huge boon, right? I mean, it's 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 tough. You feel bad for people, but I mean, it, you know, it's you can't you know, they'll cry on their own beer. You've got money that you can make 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 hay with, right? That's a that's a very very advantageous position to be in. Uh, but I guess maybe the question I have then, I mean, was this always your plan? I think it's it's clever, right? I mean, you've got this very very cheap uh, high grade kind of smaller deposits within driving range or within the, you know, a decent radius of you know, Fort Knox or other mills. I mean, it was, did you kind of, I mean, and, and then again, you're doing this similar sort of thing to lucky shot. Uh, it, it, was this kind of your plan all along or did this kind of just fall into your lap? Like how did, how did, how did this sort of, you know, I hesitate to call it just an exploration thesis, but you know, exploration development thesis, how did this kind of come to fruition? Yeah. So like a lot
1: of things, uh, the short answer is complicated, uh, <laughs> Um, the original plan was to uh, reorganize things with Royal Gold and, and get 100% of the project back. Because Royal Gold had kind of gotten themselves in a position where they owned 40%; they really couldn't sell that. Um, and and so the original plan was to reorganize that. Ken Ross kind of stepped in the middle of that uh, by saying, "Hey, we, you know, we want to, we'd like to own the whole thing." And uh, uh, but variety of things. I mean, this was 2020. So first year of COVID, markets are goofy as hell. Um, Share prices are going up and down like a, uh, like a yo-yo. Ours, Ken Ross's. um, And so we ended up the original, original plan was to get hundred percent and then go have the conversation with Ken Ross. Ken Ross stepped in the middle of that. They wanted hundred percent, but they also wanted to use uh, their paper and uh wouldn't protect the downside on on their paper so long story short we, we really couldn't come to an agreement uh on selling 100 percent um and so we ended up with the 70 30 and um and of course you know when i when i stepped in the original plan was to get 100 percent and then go talk to them so we kind of got there in a bit of a roundabout a roundabout way if we had had a hundred percent we would have ended up with more of a 50-50 deal, but we didn't have a hundred percent. We only, we only had 60. So, Um, but that's, so that's, uh, so to answer your question, that's how, that's how we got to where we were. Um, But that, that original vision was to get a hundred percent and then go do something with a hundred percent. So with things like, uh, you know, not lucky shot because lucky Shot's pretty small and we own a hundred percent. So I see that more as a, as sort of a tolling arrangement with with uh, with the mill, um, you know, if, if Lucky Shot were a hundred thousand ounces, we could probably have a different, you know, annual production. Probably have a different discussion. So, but in you know new opportunities, if we, if we acquire hundred percent, then uh, yeah, maybe the maybe the discussion is along the lines of what the Cisco's done uh, with goldfields, and you know, you bring you bring you bring the capital, you bring the mining expertise, mm-hmm. and develop our great asset. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, if you look back on my history. That's what we've done with Nova Gold. Uh, that's a 50-50 with Barrett. Uh, we did that with South Thirty Two, uh, with uh, with Trilogy. We uh, did a little bit different arrangement, but it ended up uh, something similar with uh, with Sandfire down in, in Montana with a company called Tentina Resources, where we found a nice high high quality copper asset, um, and then partnered with with Sandfire. So. <laughs> It is a bit of a um, a model, if you will. That you know, we like exploration, we like um, development. We think we're good at th- that end of the spectrum. Mining is not my thing. Uh, so if if we can partner with the with the bigger companies who's who's who are excel at that and who have the access to capital and expertise to mine and permit and uh, that's that seems like a good partnership to me from a uh, from, as an explorer and how to how to ha- how to stay in there for the longer term and get the cash flow
0: mm-hmm.
1: Getting the yeah first, most is the biggest step uh building on that with what we think we can do with lucky shot um, but then you know so the next one would be acquiring a property that has you know where maybe we spend 20 30 million dollars over a you know two three year period to make it a 5 million ounce gold deposit that somebody else then can come in and bring their capital yeah, hmm. I think the Cisco guys have done that well with uh, with their asset and, and the joint venture with Goldfields.
0: Yeah, excellent. Tony's got a good question here I think DevTales nicely into this conversation. You you've spoken pause' about Ken Ross. He was just wondering I mean you know your, the question he has is are you open to further partnerships with them on on, on additional projects and then you know is is lucky of a, of a sufficient size to also maybe attract their interest in the end?
1: Uh, short answer on, on lucky shot i mean it is uh you know we're not looking at it ever at, from what we know right now not you not know, being a large scale of mine it's got good grade uh, like i said you know starting up at 30 40 thousand ounces maybe getting it up to 50 60 is kind of what we envision um i i look at that more as a as a tolling arrangement um mm. but you Neil, know, there's there may be uh other conversations to have with uh, with Ken kinross on that um you know uh, i think there's there's certainly a number of ways to go there um but that's sort of you know that's kind of our thinking right now um they're aware of what we're doing they're, you know again we're not um nice thing about junior companies is everything's everything's material pretty much <laughs> so <laughs> they pre you know, they pretty much know what we're doing and we have no secrets in, in uh in sort of hiding it from them so um you know, we'll 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 keep them apprised of what we're doing there when I mean, it makes sense, and we have a mine plan that we can say, you know, hey, we can we could, we think we can mine X number of tons and deliver you this, and let's work out a tolling arrangement. I, I think we can get there. Mm-hmm. Um, it is easier from a from a logistics standpoint having the rail there. That makes it a, a lot. It's about half, less than half the cost to rail things uh, up, to, mm-hmm. uh, get it all the way up, including the truck travel between uh the mine and the in the rail and the rail up in up in uh in fairbanks up to the mil, uh, mine site there so mm. yeah it'll be less than half the cost for transportation which is a you know significant portion of the overall cost for uh for hmm. uh, by comparison say to my show so yeah will we consider other things with with kinross sure then I mean, they've got mines uh, across nevada and uh uh so uh, we're not going to africa I'll I'll say that right right away. Um, I think uh, quite like North America, so uh, I think I I define North America north of the border right now. Um, I think that's 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 going to be the playground at least for right now that we'll uh, we'll take a hard look at.
0: Yeah, I had another, this is a ways back, but it's, it's something he said in one of my interviews that stuck out to me is you can't choose where the gold is, but you can choose where you look for gold, right? And I, and, and, and I think that, I mean, for all the reasons you just expressed, I mean, having a railway, I mean, the, the level of infrastructure, I mean, Alaska itself is obviously a great jurisdiction. Um, and I want to talk about jurisdiction, but I kind of thought we'd maybe just keep going with lucky shot. Before we had a couple of minutes to chat before we went live here, and uh, you know you were talking about the Lasan curve and the orphan period, and 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 I, I kind of like it because you know you, you're not you know a rolling stone gathers no moss. You you are not standing still with and kind of hanging your laurels on on uh, man show. I I, ca- I kind of said that heck, you're nine months from first pour, I think the orphan period's over. I mean, I think that you're going to, you can't help but see a re-rating here to, to more to effective valuations or fair valuations. But, you know, you said that your kind of, your company focus was to avoid that orphan period, avoid that that steep, you know, the cliff of the Lausanne curve as much as you can. And you're doing that by, like you say, like you're, you're nine months from production when you still have half a dozen other, you know, exploration level projects to keep going with. Chief among these is lucky shot. So, I mean... Past-producing mine, uh, I guess. I guess maybe. Can you just give us like maybe the elevator pitch on Lucky Shot? We've touched about, We've touched on it a bit, and I think people probably have a sense of it. But yeah, where is it at right now, and and, and what do what's your understanding of it?
1: Yeah, so basically, this is a, a, a historic producer. Uh, that produced a quarter million ounces uh, high grade. It was selectively mined. Uh, and probably hand cobs, so they, they produced a, an average grade of about 40 grams per ton, about an ounce and a half per ton. So super high grade stuff. Narrow vein mining, um, and again selective, and it was shut down by uh, President Roosevelt when he used the War Act to shut down all gold mining in the United States. And you tell people that, and they're like, they're like, that really happened. You're like, yeah, that already happened. Uh, so. It wasn't shut down. It was shut down administratively, not because they ran out of ore, not because they hit a bunch of water, you know, couldn't pump the water, whatever. It's just, it's just like, hey, you guys, we don't need gold mining anymore right now. Then um, besides, we're going to reprice gold here shortly. So, uh... <laughs> a
0: little history lesson. there, Yeah. <laughs>
1: so that's why we shut down and and and, you know, and then you know like a lot of these mining districts they get broken up into families and and the, the kids are like what, what do i do with this mining thing uh so it took a long time for uh uh the underlying owner to put the land package together he was very he's very diligent and successful at doing that and so that's the business arrangement we have is with him uh, uh and he lives he lives out in the neighborhood so he's uh, he's a neighbor um so it's in uh, the infrastructure was, as I said, it's, it's great infrastructure, you're, you know, 20 minute ride down the hill to uh, to the railroad um, and the highway. And so it's easy to get things in and out. Uh, we do get a lot of snow. It's a, definitely a uh, you know, we're, in, we're in Alaska and it's it definitely uh, snows for half the year. Um, you can manage the snow if you just stay ahead of it. Um, it is more costly. Uh, but once you're underground, you're, you know, where you 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 drill. So now we we put the underground infrastructure in place uh, to to drill to explore, not for not to not from a mine development standpoint, from an exploration standpoint. um And now we just got to drill. So uh we'll pick that back up in the summertime. And uh, objective is to outline about 400,000 ounces, uh and then develop a mine plan around that. We figure that's if you're mining 40,000 ounces a year, that's a 10-year mine life. That's plenty of Plenty of uh, runway. Um, Well, obviously, when we have a mine plan, we'll go. We'll sit down and talk with the Fort Knox folks and hopefully work out a a tolling arrangement. There are other options. Uh, There are other mills in Alaska, so Fort Knox isn't the only game in town. Uh, It just happens to be the biggest one. (laughs) We have a big mill. Uh, So um, the other, you know, the the point you made about infrastructure, I wanted to sort of uh, follow up on because. Um, what we are not going to do is go out in the middle of Alaska and remote Alaska and find, you know, invest $20 million, hoping that we can figure out how to get the infrastructure. I did that 25 years ago with Donlin. Uh, it's a fantastic deposit. It's got, it is good grade, you know, uh, there's not a lot of, you know, two plus gram. 50 million ounce gold uh, deposits out there. So it's a fantastic deposit, but it is in the middle of nowhere. And so here we are 25 years later. I left Nova Gold in 2011, formed a new company, found two new deposits, joint venture those with South 32, and Donlin is still permitted. So yeah, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> so, do three, you know, stick close to the infrastructure uh there's plenty of places in Alaska to uh just you know be 20 miles from the roadside and uh and there's lots of good exploration potential there cuz the fact is most of the road it, roads that exist in Alaska exist because of mining, because of mining yeah. <laughs> so, um and you know obviously we're not just going to be restricted to Alaska we we know that well it's in our backyard we pretty much know everything that's going on there uh but you know, I like Idaho as a, as a, as a place to look, Nevada is always great. It's, it's tough to get, you know, land position in Nevada, but there's, there are still opportunities there. And, um, uh, and, you know, those were would be two, sort of two standouts, you know, California, a little tougher, Montana, a lot tougher, hmm. uh, Arizona is always a good place to work. So yeah, there's, there's plenty of real estate to, uh, to, to look at in, uh, in the U S and uh, and you know, new opportunities for us to uh, to look at continuing to grow the company as you say sort of once you've got production that sets a sets a, a base level of of, um, of value now obviously it fluctuates up and down with gold price and how well things are going or, or whatever uh but we're on that cusp now of you know being rebated and valued on their cash flow and so now this now the thing is what do you know, what are you going to do with that um and uh so i think lucky shots uh an easy uh uh slip in to that that same model because it's not again it's not huge capital um we can ex- we know how to execute the plan uh so it's just drill a lot of holes we're just drilling down dip from where they mined high-grade gold before so mm-hmm. uh geologic model wise it's not complicated it's a quartz paint and a granite diorite mm-hmm. uh, yeah how much does it cost to uh, to to mine it and develop it you know obviously we've got to do work there but um you know great again great's king so when you have close to half ounce per ton that's that's a good grade to work with and again not building a mill and tailing facility that gets rid of the valley of death mm-hmm. <laughs> or at least shortens it hugely mm-hmm. we're fully permitted for mining we're mining now we're just not mining more, right all right I, sh- I shouldn't say now we were it was a few months ago <laughs> Um, but we are fully permitted to mine so if we put if we mine and, and put ore in a box and haul it down to the rail and haul it up to uh, uh, Fairbanks and then haul it up to the Fort Knox mill with a truck there's costs associated with that but we know we've got a really good idea what they are and they're less than Mancho hmm. Man's eight grams per ton so hmm. what is our mining cost you know so that that's it's none of this is horribly complicated and that's that's the other thing I want to try to focus on is uh, less complications, uh, really simplify permitting, uh, and really simplify, you know, how to have this discussion with whether it's offtake tolling arrangement. We can deliver this many tons, of this grade. You know, that's that's what that's what Fort Knox would like to know. Obviously, to work yeah. out a tolling arrangement with us.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's clever as heck, right? I mean, for all the reasons you just explained, I mean, you're, you mean if it's cheap, Mancho is already, I mean, is Show on a, what's the ASIC on that? Is it a thousand bucks? No, what, it's uh, 11, Eleven? Yeah, a 11,
1: little over 1100
0: eleven hundred bucks. I mean so a pretty good ASIC, right? And and I mean so just cash in hand every single ounce. I mean you've got higher grade but cheaper. And I mean, you know, you say it's only a half million ounce deposit. And I think sometimes people you know, we get used to these, you know, five and ten million, we get used to these larger ones in terms of how we do our at least I do in terms of my mental calculations for value. But I mean, for you sixty five thousand gold equivalent ounces coming out of uh, out of uh Mancho once it's going if you can get lucky shot up and going at the same time and take it up to north a hundred thousand ounces, suddenly you're not a bad little not a bad little production company right even though you, you your actual yeah like no tailings no million I mean, yeah like this is it's a good story um maybe my question is so what's the time you know just on lucky shot what is the timeline right not like a, a realistic you know things go reasonably well when do you think you could actually start seeing ore sent off to I a think, mill
1: uh, give us a couple of years to put a mine plan together so you know a, a little over a year to, to get it drilled and the underground development in place to do that um and then the, another year to uh uh, to execute that and put a mind plan together. And, and then with that, then we can sit down with, with, uh, the folks at Kinross Fort Knox and, you know, see if it makes sense to send it up there.
0: Start to talk Turkey. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, I, 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 want to make sure that I stop on the hour here. I've got 10 minutes. And so I mean, yeah, I've been enjoying our conversation. I'm going to have to skip a couple of things I want to talk to you about, but jurisdiction, the one question I do want to ask you was I, when you were going kind to of reference the other places that you were maybe willing to, to look at, I mean, I, I'm also, uh, jurisdiction is a big thing for me, right? I, I don't go anywhere in the world. I mean, I just think that there's so much risk already. Adding more above ground risk uh, isn't not it's not my cup of tea, right? Uh, but I noticed it was all American states. None of the, I mean, I'm a Canadian, so now I'm offended, right? But is there any <laughs> is, that a, is there a reason why you're sticking purely to to the USA or and not Canada or just because you know the the process or why is that or is that just a coincidence?
1: Yeah, no, I just uh, I just uh, was uh, talking about things that. Uh, just kind of focused on the US. No, like Canada, uh, I think, you know, BC's got a great jurisdiction. All of Canada's a great jurisdiction. I'd say, you know, again, with the caveat that close to infrastructure. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, NWT and bit and you know, probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we have no particular advantage there. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Ontario, Quebec, uh, of, you know, it's not. There's there's things in uh, in Manitoba we we would take a look at for sure. Uh, a little less in Saskatchewan, but there are you know uh, there's certainly some there. Uh, Alberta's not uh, probably not high on the list, but uh, BC certainly is, and uh, we've worked you know a lot in BC before, so uh, that's a jurisdiction we probably feel really really comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you know going all the way out to Newfoundland, uh, Labrador, so yeah. Uh, Northern Europe is probably another place we'd, we'd probably take a look. Um, you know, from a jurisdictional standpoint, uh, good rule of law, uh, traditional. You know, uh, Finland, Sweden, Norway were always traditionally mining, uh, mm-hmm. mining uh, countries, and they've now, with the uh, adaptation of, uh, you know, we've got a transition to the green new economy. You know, they're really reembracing mining in a big mm-hmm. way in, in mm-hmm. Northern Europe. So. I think spain and portugal would probably you know be partly yeah, added that list and then the further east you go the more complicated it gets because the closer you gets. so uh, and, the, and that sphere so
0: just talk to ken ross about that one eh yeah yeah well, yeah, no, interesting. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think that uh, you make a really good point about Europe uh, kind of rediscovering mining and the, the necessity of it, right? That, that, yeah. So, I think that there's opportunities there too, for sure. It's, that, that's an interesting point. I actually have a good one here. That Tony and I kind of had the same question for you. Uh, so, the way that I had phrased it, I mean, is you know, I, I kind of discussed like hard versus soft permitting, or you know, like the actual you know government. Process of, of achieving a permit and, and, and all the consultation that requires, but then also to, you know that that buy-in from local communities, right, and community engagement process, it, it is huge in modern mining, and it's something that I actually you know, mo- you know mining has a. You talk about what jurisdiction, right? You look at other countries' very mixed bag uh, approach. So I, in terms of the history of what mining did to those countries or regions, and so I I, I do get it, right, and I think I'm supportive of this new process. Um, I guess, do you want to just discuss like your company's approach, your efforts? How long was it? And then, yeah, I guess maybe it's going to be two questions in one here. And I try not to do that. But yeah, how much obviously Alaska's permitting process is is pretty advantageous to begin with. But then, you know, what were you doing, you know, in, in addition to or concurrent with that in terms of reaching out to local community community engagement process?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the overall the local community engagement, regardless of whether it's uh, an Alaska Native, uh, or or not um, is meet early and often and and listen, uh, sit down and understand what their concerns are. The risk when you when you meet early is that you don't have a lot of answers. <laughs> so when you have a lot, so you have a lot of people asking questions. And but it's your also your opportunity to sort of manage expectations because on the flip side you got a lot. Of, people who are interested in jobs. I mean, mining jobs pay a lot. In Alaska, I think we're up to about $110,000, $120,000 a year average pay for a mining-related job, which is a really good salary. And so on the one side, you want to you know, manage that so you don't get people thinking this is going to happen tomorrow. Um, and then the, on the flip side, you want to uh, understand the, what are the what are the kind of hot-button concerns of the community in terms of... and. I'll tell you that there will always be around, uh, water quality. Uh, that's always a big one. So if we have a plan not to build a tailing facility, mm-hmm. you just took a huge, a huge risk off the table from the local community's perspective. Hmm. Um, uh, and then of course not building a mill, you, you take off, you know, air quality, which is, you know, you're gonna build a big diesel plant because we're not connected to the grid there is you know there's very little grid in Alaska there's a grid between Anchorage and Fairbanks and that's it (laughs) Uh, it actually goes all the way down to Homer but uh, and there's everything under the sun on on the thing we just we don't have nuclear in Alaska but we've you know got hydro we've got wind we've got solar we've got coal we've got gas Um, it's a good grid but it's just really small and isolated so uh, if you're going to build a mill in a in a in a greenfield area that's you know then you need a big air quality permit so and those are not easy to get so they're as as difficult as a as a, as a water quality permit so if you can take those things off the table um, or reduce their impact significantly to the community that's uh, that's a big thing um so i think you know approaching or uh, meeting early and often is a big thing again regardless of whether it's a uh, alaska native uh, community uh in the case of tetlin there are specific areas where we can uh uh, uh train and bring local and uh, jobs uh and, and and have a dedicated effort to do that not just talk about it but actually do it hmm. um it's not a box ticking exercise uh but unfortunately i think esg is mm-hmm. sort of formulaically become um, which i think is why again why i think a lot of that's a lot of people are starting questioning the whole esg mantra now which i think is good because um there's good things in it but it's it was it was kind of becoming just greenwashing by uh, for Mm the big companies Mm -hmm. so uh but in terms of mining you know this this is all boots on the ground stuff you know you don't you when you're the exploration representatives for a project are the first interaction that people have local communities have with uh, a mining company and uh Mm -hmm. you're you know you're you're an ambassador for the industry when you're out there moving a drill rig on whether it's moving a drill rig on the property or doing a drone survey or having a helicopter fly over if you meet with a community ahead of time and they go you know hey well you know moose season is uh, in a month we'd really appreciate if you didn't you know fly your helicopter and scare the hell out of all the moose because you know we are, we're gonna go shoot some so those are simple things and they're not complicated to and they're not hugely expensive to sort of avoid um you know sort of a natural setup of I didn't get a moose this year because you dumb shits were. Why help.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and I, I think you make a well, a point well made, right? I mean, it's it's just it's the pursuit pursuit of best practice and understanding that this can be mutually beneficial for all parties. Like you say, like that that the greenwashing and then just kind of saying things for the sake of saying things. I think it's a very cogent point. Yeah, I, I've actually, funny, I got a Quebec Nicole explorer who they're they have ceased drilling for moose season right now. So here I am waiting for the drill to turn because yeah, they, they, they because how else do you achieve the like community buy in. Um, maybe, yeah, we've got four minutes here. I, I kind of want to leave chance. Uh, so just one last call for questions. I think can managed to kind of cover all the questions that people have, but maybe just uh, I'll, I want to ask you to have final thoughts, but maybe just, do you just want to, um, and we were kind of discussing community engagement and such. Do you just want to discuss, like, what does Mancho mean to the Tetland? I mean, how important is this to their community that this is kind of up and running or, or about to be?
1: Yeah, well, literally Mancho means big lake, um, just to address that. Uh, and so, the, the large lake uh, that is the center of their community, um, it, we, we named the, the project in, in that honor just to, to constantly rec- uh, remind us, don't screw up the lake. What we <laughs> do here is don't screw up the lake. Because they fish in it, they live on it, the, that's where the water comes from. Uh, uh, so, But in, in terms of uh, uh, economics, uh, the, the tribe will receive a royalty. Uh, it's a three percent royalty so it's a pretty healthy royalty There's about 300 people in the tribe uh, about 150 are on the on the, live on the tetlan lands and on the, at the village of Tetlin, and the other 150 are kind of scattered around the other local communities um so you know that's a direct dividend to the tribe um and then of course the jobs and training um are are added sort of added benefits and it's you know what kind of jobs are these well Again, we're not building a mill in a tailings facility. So you now usually it would take two or three years to train up a millwright. It takes six months to get somebody to be get a commercial driver's license, or a truck driver mm-hmm. or a mechanics license. Uh, and a lot of people who live uh, in remote Alaska are sort of natural mechanics. I mean, they, <laughs> you gotta fix everything <laughs> because everything breaks. And so these are really good jobs uh, that they they have at home and they love that that's i mean there it's so it's enhancing their their community and the growth there um so and that's something that they can they can transfer you know they can take that job and uh take that training and, and go work elsewhere hmm. uh, maybe you go home every go, go home every other week or something like that but so there's those are skills that are very trans uh, transferable um We've got we've got uh young kids who want to become an uh environmental scientist or want to become a geologist or an engineer and those are always you know personally great to see because you know that's you know you're just like oh man I'm just making a real difference here but it, you know equally important and more and more important in terms of numbers is uh getting more people with licensed you know truck driver uh uh a truck driver's license a commercial license and then and, and then and the, getting their mechanics Again, those are skills you can transfer
0: everywhere. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, building your workforce from scratch, almost up there, kind of right. So, so yeah, we are we are you know forty five seconds here on the clock. So if we're going to end on the hour, so I'll, I'll leave it to you. Anything that you want to touch on that maybe we didn't get a chance to discuss, Rick?
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate the uh, the the discussion. A great, uh, great series of questions, and uh, you know, check out our website uh, contangoor.com. Uh, we'll, we'll keep uh, uh, keep everybody in, uh, up to date on, on our advances. I'll be heading to New Orleans here for the, the conference down there and then over to Zurich. Uh, if you happen to be in those places, stop by and and uh, uh, or just reach out to info at and if you've got questions uh, or concerns, uh, write in there and I'll get back to you.
0: Perfect. Well, I think that just about does it for us at, at on on the hour. Look at that. Eh? So, uh, yeah, thank you, uh, CEO Rick Van Neuenheiser of Contango Ore, and thanks to Six. And I think that's where we'll call it. So, yeah, have a good day, Rick. Good luck. Thank you. Too.
1: Thanks very so Bye-bye. Take care.